Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying... A, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, love at First, first Listen. listen. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Do you love Selena? Like, really love? Whether you saw her live, saw the movie as a kid, or saw her looks all over TikTok, there's no shortage of reasons to stand the Queen of Tejano. And Stan, we do over three whole episodes of our podcast, Becoming an Icon. We're reminiscing as lifelong Selena fans, sharing hot takes and telling her story. Listen to Becoming an Icon on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search Becoming an Icon. Thanks for listening to the Best of the Jason Smith Show with Mike Harmon podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weeknight from 10 p.m. to 2 a.m. Eastern, 7 to 11 p.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for the Jason Smith Show with Mike Harmon at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every night on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR. This is the Best of the Jason Smith Show with Mike Harmon on Fox Sports Radio. Greetings. Welcome in hour three of the program. Fast moving Monday night. Thanks for being along with us. Our team assembled here. We got Bershinger. He's rallying. We got Tyshirt, our technical producer, and of course, Ralph Irvin on the updates. Jason Smith off tonight, which means I've got my tag team partner, Dan Byer, has tagged in the I Want Your Flex podcast. You can download that wherever you get your audio goodness, especially as you start getting ready for the new year. We'll have lots of tips and tricks for fantasy and a lot of uh, screaming about things that have gone wrong for us. And it's perfect when you have those get-in-shape resolutions. Listen to all of them, and you'll hear us tell you when we were right and usually when we're wrong because we're very self-deprecating in that regard. How you doing, Dan? I am doing well, and speaking of being wrong, I uh, I put a tweet out there of what I sent uh, when the Bears in Matt Nagy's first game against the Green Bay Packers, remember that first half, how great that was? 
and uh, it was all downhill from there, I've basically said. But at that point, I predicted a Bears Super Bowl win after seeing that first half they had in Green Bay, a game that they ended up losing. But remember how just how great it was for those first 30 minutes, Mike, to open the season? And then it just all was all downhill. I feel like I want to now go through a video montage, and behind it, I will celebrate the greatness of George Harrison, the quiet beetle, they always called him, uh, with his prolific body of work. Uh, all those years ago, when all you had was hope and promise of a new age and a turning of the page and a new regime and a creative offense, and you thought your front office knew what they were doing, and then you just say, well, history repeats itself. And now it's, well, where do you go from here? You drafted your quarterback, and now you've got a lot of questions on your roster. So, yeah, the optimism was there for a bit, right? Plenty of guys trumpeted Matt Nagy as a genius. Mm-hmm. I don't think that tag's there as much anymore. No. But, <laughs> but it, again, goes to the, all right, do you, who gets to pick the groceries? How much control do you have on that? Uh, and that that remains to be seen in in terms of the separation of duties and obviously Ryan Pace, they haven't made building an offensive line much of a priority. Finally, you have one on display tonight, and Tevin Jenkins, who'd missed most of the seasons. Not not often do you draft a guy early and say, you know what, I know he's got to have back surgery, but we got to have that guy. (laughs) That's not good. And then he looked like a guy who hadn't practiced much. And most weeks, uh, you have several penalties in big back-breaking spots, uh, and he he has struggled mightily. A lot of raw talent, but like with everything else, all right, you need to see it now if you want to preserve your head coach's job. And certainly another opportunity, one, two, five tonight, squandered in a 17-9 loss to the Vikings. Well, let's be real. This Matt Nagy era... As you, as you pointed out, they did make the playoffs in two out of the first three years. Yep. I think that we can agree that they've been trending in the wrong direction, especially this season. But Ryan Pace isn't the one that should be judging this team. It Correct. should be ownership that's judging this team because Ryan Pace also has the Trubisky uh, draft selection. And, Mike, when you're taking – and it's – it's not that he took Trubisky over Watson and Mahomes, but that is part of it. It's also just the fact of he made that pick behind his head coach's back from reports that we had heard that this was the direction that they were going to go with Trubisky at the time, and that's where Ryan Pace you know, planted his flag. And then what, what it seems to me, Mike, is that now they're in trouble again, and Pace and now Nagy being his, his head coach, they're in trouble. And Pace is like, I'm going to plant my flag on Justin Fields. And then we criticize Justin Fields for it instead of being, you know, all right, Ryan Pace, where are these decisions to your point of everything else that you've done around? So it seems like they tried to use Justin Fields as a life preserver sure. to keep them afloat. And then when it doesn't work out, it's not their problem. It's the quarterback's problem or maybe even Matt Nagy's problem, which there is a problem there. But it's just, you know, this is like they need to clean house. Ryan Pace should not be their general manager in 2022. It should not happen. Yeah, it's the curiosity. And before the season, it's something you and I had talked about on the podcast and I've talked about here uh, alongside Jason uh, as the season's gone on. There was at one point in the biographies of both Pace 
uh, and Matt Nagy a line about their contract details. And that line was removed mm. before the season began. And so there was question and, and speculation around Chicago that they had may, may have been extended through 2022. Now, that's never been verified. And obviously, everybody's waiting to figure out at what point Matt Nagy is told he's done, whether it's after this game tomorrow. Uh, we know with ownership, right, it's a, a family business uh, at the top, and several members of the family have flat out said, I don't really know anything about this football stuff, which is not a good way to be because uh, yeah. then you put it in charge of folks that uh, you've allowed them to run and because you don't want to waste money and that would be their terminology and the way they've thought of this organization of letting coaches play out, right? Instead of firing in season saying, well, we're already on the hook, so finish it out. And what, what you have is a situation now where it's constant speculation and trying to implement a new offense around a guy who's raw, right? And there were things you like to see from Justin Fields. And then there are moments like with all rookie quarterbacks that just have you scratching your head going, all right, I want the, you know, the point of point of vision of what he's got, right? That point of view, give me one of those helmets and let me see what Justin Fields is reacting to in terms of the decision to throw, to not throw, to decide to run, to do a jump pass fake and not throw it away on a screen and take a sack and almost fumble. I mean, there are just moments where it just, what what are you trying to do? What are you trying to accomplish? And that's for the offense as a whole, you know, because oftentimes this year there were phase outs of David Montgomery in the run game. Now he got banged up a bit, but how you at a four three four four a carry clip would go away from the run game altogether at times has always been curious. But tonight, just the latest of ills, and we're tracking it. You know, eight penalties. Three on Tevin Jenkins. Uh, The number of turnovers, ball security a problem. David Montgomery has it stripped inside the 10-yard line. Uh, We talked about fields and, you know, his ball insecurity has been a big deal. Hell, coming into this game, the Bears defense, which was taped together, right? This is duct tape and bandages uh, with COVID ravaging the squad, plus injury, normal week 15 injury issues that you've signed four guys off your practice squad to come up and play guys collective seven snaps. I think is what I read uh, for these four players and they're able to hold the, the Vikings to 17 points. That's a game you have to win in the NFL. Can I go through the drive chart? Please, please drive me nuts. Okay. First, first possession bears three and out. They punt right. Second possession fumble uh, near midfield, but in Vikings territory, uh, Justin Fields turns it over. Vikings get the ball. Next possession, Bears drive down to the Viking 10-yard line. That's when David Montgomery fumbles, recovered by Minnesota. Next play, or next drive, 12 plays, ends up in a uh, field goal for the uh, for the Bears. And uh, so that's what you had before the half. So that was their oh, – wait, take that back. There was then the missed field goal. So they kicked the field goal and then missed the field goal. So there are four drives that we had just mentioned that ended up in Minnesota territory. They come away with three points. Then they have a five-play drive to start the second half and punt, three plays and punt, and then you have the uh, 
turnover on the uh, or the blocked punt. So you start in Minnesota territory. Then you end up turning it over on downs on 11 plays, Mike, in Minnesota territory. And then you turn it on over on downs again in Minnesota territory. Fourth and goal at the nine. Fourth and four at the 14. You don't convert. And then you score the touchdown at the end of the game. So there, there weren't there weren't like you know tons of punts and three and out for a team that only scored nine times. You know they punted like three times at this game. Yeah, nine so, points total and, yeah. and six come on your final play. According yeah. to my guy Todd Furman, you'll you'll hear a lot of great tales uh, about how much money was lost in that process. Uh, he didn't estimate that it was really would amount to any significant real money for that extra point not being kicked. But uh, I'm sure we'll have analysis of that as it goes at Todd Furman uh, where you can find him our friend out in Vegas but yeah it a lot of opportunities squandered possessions ball security obviously a huge issue some of the decisions of when to go when to not uh, stone hands from a couple of receivers right ball thrown to Jimmy Graham in the end zone that he would normally fight through three guys to get well he's not doing that anymore Uh, the first possession on the three and out an easy throw after the Jenkins penalty to get things started. Let's not uh, be remiss in uh, pointing that out, that right off the jump uh, he gets called. But uh, a pass to Cole Komet that was, as Kevin Harlan described it on radio, a missile. It's like, just lay it out there. Just lay it out there. Let him make a catch. So that's the other thing, right? You're learning touch and down and distance and all that stuff on the fly. So, you know, you have those situations. But they drove the ball, controlled clock, Kirk Cousins had an an off night, right? We had the obvious no call that might have been a big play to Jefferson. Might have still ended up in an incompletion or a, yeah. a turnover. But overall, you know, they did well to contain that passing game. And Dalvin Cook finished with a, a respectable stat line, but he was a non-factor. Yeah. And and, and, and you had a, a game that was in your potential, within your reach, and you couldn't execute to finish out drives. Yeah, that, that's got to be the frustrating part. But again, I'll say this. The, the more Bears losses, the better the better that it is for Bears fans, even without that first-round pick, because it's it's time to move on. And, and by the way, I don't blame Pace and Nagy for – or whoever it was, I believe it was Ryan Pace, to be like, all right, the, you know, Justin Fields is going to try to be our – that's who we're going to try to hitch our wagon to in moving on, but whatever the dynamic was to play who or to play what and how that was going back and forth, young quarterbacks have saved a lot of guys' jobs. And it's just for as great as, you know, as people want Andy Dalton to be, he was only going to take them so far. But more importantly, he was not going to save anybody's job. And I don't know why anybody would think that, that he would do that. Justin Fields was the only one that would be able to save jobs, and that hasn't happened this yeah, year. Yeah, and the- Going back, and I stand for starting Dalton and trying to figure it out because I don't know that this regime was going to get the best out of Justin Fields, both from a personnel standpoint and, again, owing to the conversation we had a little bit earlier to what San Francisco had is, like, you've got a team that, in theory, should be competitive, right? Maybe not Super Bowl-worthy. Mm-hmm. Like I mean, obviously, that's a tall order. But a team that, if things break right, was a playoff team and Dalton being a veteran – not turning the ball over a ton, and if you were healthy, right, Allen Robinson being lost, but everybody went through health issues, but that you'd be in the conversation to be a playoff team. So maybe with a bunch of guys getting ready to age out defensively and or 
get a bigger contract somewhere else that you needed to decide, all right, we we play to go to the playoffs this year. And that's why Andy Dalton was signed. Don't forget, they also retained Nick Foles this whole time sure. and paid him $10 million yeah. to more or less sit there and never traded him and didn't look – I don't know what the market would have been if there even was one. But the reality is you had $20 million tied up at veterans. And then you look at San Francisco, same thing with Jimmy Garoppolo, Trey Lance of – all right, two years removed from a Super Bowl run, in theory back healthy, that you should be a competitive squad. So with Jimmy Garoppolo, while not explosive most games, and and as we talked about earlier, a couple of throws each game that make you shake your head, the guy still has won 75% of his career starts. So if you're just looking for someone to guide the ship forward, then he was a guy to do it. Now, with Justin Fields, I found this article earlier that I thought I'd bring up just to show you where you can, where statistics can uh, not be your friend and, and put you in some uh, dubious company. Uh, when we look at this is from ESPN stats and information uh, and the QBR stat, and we can fight about quarterback rating all the time, right? I know we we had folks on the network for years that that was the one stat they wanted to quote. It's like go back and watch the game. Tell me how good the guy and difference making he was. But with his QB rating coming into tonight's game of 27.4. You got Zach Wilson's the only guy worse since this stat was created in 2006. He was at 22.4 uh, after 10 starts. So this is a couple weeks old, but the point remains. Uh, and then you've got Josh Rose and Blaine Gabbert, Super Bowl winner Blaine Gabbert, and Jimmy Clausen are the five guys, former Bears draft pick as well. Or I guess he was with Carolina and then was a was a Bears quarterback. See, there's the Bears find their way into everything here. <laughs> uh, but just the idea that you know, you've got some historically bad numbers in that respect. But then you pull back the game, and as you and I do, it's the all right. There's a flashpoint. There's a recognition. There's a and it, it's trying to figure out well how do you string those together and avoid some of those big negative plays. Right? Yeah. Is that come with time? Is it concerning? You know the can both be true in the moment while you try to take full stock of the 11 starters that you have on offense, right? You got Montgomery and you got Mooney and Komet at times looks like he could be a solid contributor for you. Beyond that, rebuilt offensive line and a lot of questions. You know what my question would be? Was this article put out because the Bears were on Monday Night Football? Because this was an ESPN article, and all I'm going to say, and I know I may be, I may be so pro Justin Fields, but if the only quarterback that was worse than Justin Fields in QBR rating was Zach Wilson, shouldn't this be a Zach Wilson article? Unless it was solely Mike for the point, because it's an ESPN game, the Bears are on, are on Monday night. But I just, I, I think, man, we pile on them, you know. Well, and, I think and, I'd repurpose it if the the Jets were playing. <laughs> you know, in a prime time spot. I mean, you could but, you could run that article all over the place. I mean, just sure. change change the uh, one or two paragraphs and one but, or two quotes by analysts, and away you go. You know, you're putting you're putting Justin Fields in the Josh Rosen, Blaine Gabbard category when Zach Wilson's numbers are worse, but he's just a side note, and he started more games than Justin Fields has. It, like that's I it, and and I would I would say no matter how bad the Jets are, at least their direction seems to be going up with who they are, who knows if it'll stay up or whatever, but just the Bears are just in a complete, you know, mess, it seems like, in Chicago. So to put it all on the rookie quarterback's shoulders, I just kind of find this garbage. 
Be sure to catch live editions of the Jason Smith Show with Mike Harmon weekdays at 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Do you love Selena? Like, really love? Whether you saw her live, saw the movie as a kid, or saw her looks all over TikTok, there's no shortage of reasons to stand the Queen of Tejano. And Stan, we do over three whole episodes of our podcast, Becoming an Icon. We're reminiscing as lifelong Selena fans, sharing hot takes and telling her story. Listen to Becoming an Icon on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search Becoming an Icon. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And guess what? So are we. Just in case you forgot, I'm Tori Deal. I'm a six-time finalist and a Challenge champion. And I'm Anissa Ferrer, and I've been gracing your screens for the last two decades. I am a veteran challenger and Challenge All-Star. And speaking of All-Stars, All-Stars 4 is finally here. I'm going to be honest. I literally thought this day was never going to come. Well, the challenge gods have answered our prayers and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, redemption seekers, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. Anyone can win, relationships matter, and only one all-star will claim the title of challenge champion. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to start listening. 
transition now. We go out to the phones. Dan joining us as he does each and every week. CBS Sports 105.7 The Fan in Baltimore. Our buddy Jason Lockenfora. Find him on Twitter at Jason Lockenfora. Jason, I'm too animated for a 4-9 team. Well, you know, the season is almost over, so you might as well go crazy while you still can. Limping into the good night, no question about it. Uh, Baltimore, uh, a heartbreaker, right? The opportunity once again, and uh, Harbaugh, hey, I'm sticking with it. The video that goes around, talking to the players about you know, being aggressive. Uh, how's that going over in Baltimore right now? Oh, there's a lot of people who can't understand if last week it was about um, following the numbers and I'm going to go for two the first time at 15 to when I'm down 15 because I'm playing to, to, um, you know, maximize my scoring potential. Then how come this week at eight down eight in the fourth quarter, you're kicking the extra point once, but then when an extra point could tie the game and the other guy still got 42 seconds. So it's not even like the two point conversion necessarily puts Aaron Rodgers to sleep or guarantees anything. Now you're going for two. I, yeah. Um, and they're two for eight on two-point conversions, and they've thrown only two teams, the Jets and the Cowboys, have attempted more. They both, though, um, do so much better than the Ravens, who are two for eight on the season. They have passed on seven of their eight uh, two-point conversions, which is two more times than anybody else in the NFL. They have thrown six straight two-point conversion plays to tight end Mark Andrews, who is really the only guy who does make plays for them in the passing game in the red zone and goal-to-goal situations. And uh, they failed on four straight attempts on two-point conversions. On three of those four, the quarterback booted to the right. So they might be a little bit predictable. Um, when you see Darnell Savage leave the middle of the field and sprint 35 yards to the pylon uh, on his left side because that's where Mark Andrews is and that's the direction that the quarterback's booting, then, yeah, everybody knows what's up with them. So if that's not your strength, maybe you shouldn't do it more than anybody in the league because their kicker has missed one extra point in his career and he's automatic. And the league average is 49.6% success rate on two-point conversions, and they're at 25%. And they've lost three games by a combined four points, mm-hmm. and they've botched the three, a two-point conversion in all those games. But by all means, keep doing it. Just keep throwing it to Andrews and see what happens. <laughs> uh, not along those same lines, but along with the same team. Is there going to be a market for – for Tyler Huntley, what do you expect the Ravens, um, I know maybe not even this offseason, but even in the future, but did he develop a market for himself last oh, I, night? I think Tyler Huntley's going to have a career in this league. There's no two ways about it. Um, this kid has a lot going for him. Uh, he's decisive. He's, he has a lot of poise. Um, he, he knows when to throw the ball away. He's not afraid to take singles. Uh, when they're there, he, he will push the ball down the field and, and put guys, the right guys, who he trusts in positions to make 50-50 plays on back shoulder fades. Um, there's a, a real uh, – there's a verve that he plays with. Um, yeah, the question for the Ravens will be, you know, when we start getting into restricted free agency, 
and what kind of a of a, a tender do they put on him, and does he become a trade chip at some point or what have you? But you know, I remember when Joe Flacco was in his prime, and they had Terod Taylor as the backup, and they eventually let him go um, for nothing. And and he's had a, a hell of a career. I mean, he's he's. I mean, I, I get it. He, he's you know. Uh, not going to the Hall of Fame or anything, but you look at his longevity, you look at how many different opportunities he's had to start in different places and circumstances haven't always worked out his way. But there's no doubt. I mean, Tyler Huntley's had three opportunities to play this year, a couple last year in mop-up roles, three opportunities um, to play a lot of football this year in terms of two starts and one scenario in Cleveland where he came in in the first quarter. He hasn't looked out of his depth in any of it, um, and especially in the fourth quarter of the last two weeks, he's been pretty special, and he's rallied them. Um, I, I like the kid. Uh, I'm not sure where it goes, but if I'm the Baltimore Ravens, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm retaining his rights here into the future, and if somebody wants to blow me away um, by trying to sign him to a restricted free agent contract or, or make a trade offer for him, then so be it. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned Terod Taylor. I think of all active athletes, that was that would be the autobiography I would read first because he has had a very odd journey in the National Football League and a bunch of circumstances that just have not gone his way, uh, including, well, the, the mess uh, to start yeah, the year here. Yeah, being stabbed in the lung by well, a that, doctor. Yeah, that last year and then this year come in, it's like, all right, Deshaun may or may not be here, uh, and here's all this other stuff. All right, so moving on to other teams in, in the NFC side of things, losers of two straight, Kyler Murray looking like he's still suffering from that ankle injury, Ew. but they go out and absolutely no-show. Uh, against yes. the Detroit Lions. I, that that might have been one of the most surprising performances of the year. Yeah, I thought that this was going to be an opportunity for them to say and show that we're not who we were last year and we truly have turned a corner. And, you know, yeah, we played a tough game last week, but this is what we can do against most teams in the league. They sent a very different signal. <laughs> they sent a signal <laughs> the Lions wanted this more than us, and – our quarterback, he's not winning an MVP anytime soon. And our play calling, especially in the red zone, pretty crappy. And Cliff, I don't know. It got really tight for him around this time last year, and it might be again. Uh, without DeAndre Hopkins, things tend to fall apart for them. And defensively, they're not the same cohesive unit that they were when Watt was healthy, I have major questions about him. Even at 7-0, and I, you know, I was always a skeptic, and you guys asked me about them from time to time, sure. and I was kind of like, eh, let's wait and see. I mean, they're 3-4 and four in their last seven, and, and honestly, the, the best that offense has looked in terms of a, a, a you know, week-to-week basis was the couple of back-to-back games they played while Kylie was out. So, and by no means am I inferring that he's part of the problem, but I'm not sure they're totally ready for prime time. Um, I'm not sure they're going to be able to live up to their first half in the second half. And there seems to be some fear in their eyes. Like, I watch them play, and it kind of looks like the Browns a little bit, where, man, when it's really, really go time, they're just kind of clinging on for dear life. And I don't mean today's this football, whatever, you know what I mean? This sort of glorified exhibition that 
we saw this afternoon where there's guys impersonating the Browns. But even watching Baker Mayfield when they're up 24-3 on Tyler Huntley a couple weeks ago, and Baker looks like he just don't want to be on the field. Like, let's just, hey, defense, see what you can do. Um, I'm going to try not to bleep this up, and hopefully we hang on and win. That's the kind of vibe I get from the Cardinals. Like, I, I almost feel like they look inward at themselves and know, we're probably not as good as a lot of these other guys. <laughs> how, do, how do you explain the Saints' regular season dominance against Tom oh. Brady and the Buccaneers? I, I mean, I, I know yeah. the injuries, but, I mean, you know, it's regular season now, 4-0 against Brady. Yeah. How, how do you explain that? Well, it was the only one of my best bets that I hit on yesterday. Uh, I thought the Saints getting 11 was egregious, like because of they've got their number and they've got the magic elixir and they're in Brady's head a little bit. Um, and even with, you know, the COVID situation and everything else, I just kind of felt like that's a tricky spot for Tampa. And, and Tampa and New England this week, I felt like we're ready to hit a bump in the road. Like the magic carpet ride was going to end for a minute. Like you've, you've strung together all these wins. You've got all this mojo going. But somebody's going to knock you down a peg, which is not the end of the world, and, and then you'll bounce back. And then obviously – Losing Fournette and Evans and and Godwin in that game uh, played a role in it, but they weren't doing you know anything of note while those guys were there. And I, I just think certain teams just kind of, like why does Miami play New England tough all the time? You know what I mean? Even when yeah, Miami's yeah. terrible, I mean Miami beat them week one and then they didn't win another game for two months. Like I just feel like there's certain teams that kind of have the special sauce for the other team and it gets to be a little bit mental and it gets to be a little bit in their DNA and then you have a slow start and the next thing, you know, it's kind of like here here we go again. Um, the Saints are a hell of a good defense. And Taysom Hill is not special, but he settled it down a little bit at the quarterback spot and they've gotten a little more healthy. And they can run the ball better now than they could six weeks ago. And if you look at if you look at the Saints statistically, you look at net touchdown differential, you look at scoring differential, um, you you look at what they can do in terms of getting off the field defensively on third down. There's a lot of metrics there that would tell you they're better than their record, substantially better than their record. If they could even just get league average play at quarterback, which they're kind of trending towards. Well, they still get trolled on Twitter by Michael Thomas, so you, you got that going for you, too. Uh, <laughs> uh, another team at 7-7. Seven and seven. They win the early game today. I mean, we talk about it as uh, it was not pretty, but the, the Raiders, they're, they're not scoring a lot of points. No. But they've got themselves back into the mix, you know, tried to give this game away to Nick Mullins, yes. but Derek Carr gets another opportunity, uh, and they come away with a two-point win and now they face the the Broncos, probably starting Drew Locke. So, are, they could maybe get in. I mean, I guess it's good for tourism. But beyond that, I mean, is this a team just holding on for the final three yeah, weeks? Yeah, I, I don't um, fancy their chances. Uh, they won today. I mean, Nick Mullins, I think, practiced one time. You know what I mean? That was a freak show. Yeah. Like, that. that's... They played the game, and they were always going to play the game, and, and I get it. But, I'm, I mean, some of these situations now are, are you're just – it's almost like I feel like it's in a, like a lab experiment. You know what I mean? Like, well, what if you took out 20 
taking guys off an active roster right. in the middle of December, and no one knew when any of them were coming back, and then you just decided to play the game at 5 o'clock on a Monday, what would happen? So I can't, you know, I'm not going to crown the Raiders. I mean, good for them for winning on a weird day at a weird time um, and finding a way to do that. Uh, But I'm not going to extrapolate a whole lot out of it. They've got a lot of flaws. Uh, You know, Clowney didn't play. Garrett didn't quite look like himself to me. I thought they'd be able to exploit that offensive line more because, my God, did the Chiefs a few days ago. And you look at any PFF numbers on the Raiders' offensive line, and it'll make you throw up your Big Mac. But they held together enough today, and they won this game. But um, I have a difficult time seeing them get to 10 wins, and I think they would probably need 10 wins to get in. Last one for me, Jason, just because we're on a Monday, we have a doubleheader, we'll have a doubleheader tomorrow, and we all seem to love it. And maybe because of the holidays, maybe you know school is out, maybe people aren't working this week, but we're loving today. Why did the Monday night primetime doubleheader in week one go away? And have, have, did they ever, like, did the league or the TV partners ever express any interest in doing stuff like this long term? Because all I've seen on Twitter today for two games that let's just say there's a lot yeah. left to be desired, yeah. people are still loving it. You know, like, why did it go away? And yeah. was there ever I'm a not thought sure what the, were... you know, I know we get caught up in the social media part of it. I'm not sure what the numbers will actually show for that game at 5 o'clock Eastern, 2 o'clock Pacific on a Monday. You know, yeah. I don't know how the ratings will be. Um, it wasn't broadcast over the air. It was just NFL Network. <sighs> I, I Maybe it works for guys who host nighttime radio. Yeah, well, maybe. maybe. <laughs> like it's, it's, it's kind of a neat one-off. If, if this was yeah. baked into the cake every week, I think it would make the schedule even more challenging. You'd have even more teams bitching and moaning about not enough rest, and I shouldn't even put it in those terms because it's legitimate. Like wh- wh- how my schedule rates versus everybody else, I could see them expanding. You know, at some point, even more of the Saturday product, which they seem to be into once the college program, you know, and by and large. Uh, but yeah, I guess as part of the new TV broadcast deals, the doubleheader on Monday isn't there anymore. And I don't know if that became one more Thursday night game. I have trouble keeping track, but, uh, you know, they, they've, they've kind of laid out these TV terms for the next, what well, was a 10 year deal. They could opt the league could opt out after seven. So maybe five years from now, we start hearing about them clamoring for, um, an 18 game season, which might also include an expanded Saturday package or maybe a Monday package. Who knows? He's Jason Lockenfora. Find him on Twitter at Jason Lockenfora, CBS Sports 1057, the fan in Baltimore. Three more weeks of this regular season mess. Uh, we'll see how it sorts out. Look forward to talking to you again. Sounds good, gentlemen. Have a great week. Appreciate you, buddy. Take care. Merry Christmas Thanks, to you. Jason. Be sure to catch live editions of the Jason Smith Show with Mike Harmon weekdays at 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific. Hey, I'm Doug Gottlieb. The podcast is called All Ball. We usually talk all basketball all the time, but it's more about the stories about what made these people love their sport and all the interesting interactions along the way. We talk to coaches. We talk to players. We tell you stories. You download it. 
you listen to it, I think you'll like it. Listen to All Ball with Doug Gottlieb on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. And recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed up. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry. Back to Iguodala. Up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Do you love Selena? Like, really love? Whether you saw her live, saw the movie as a kid, or saw her looks all over TikTok, there's no shortage of reasons to stand the Queen of Tejano. And Stan, we do over three whole episodes of our podcast, Becoming an Icon. We're reminiscing as lifelong Selena fans, sharing hot takes and telling her story. Listen to Becoming an Icon on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search Becoming an Icon. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to start listening. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And guess what? So are we. Just in case you forgot, I'm Tori Deal. I'm a six-time finalist and a Challenge champion. And I'm Anissa Ferrer, and I've been gracing your screens for the last two decades. I am a veteran challenger and Challenge All-Star. And speaking of All-Stars, All-Stars 4 is finally here. I'm going to be honest. I literally thought this day was never going to come. Well, the challenge gods have answered our prayers and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, redemption seekers, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. Anyone can win, relationships matter, and only one all-star will claim the title of challenge champion. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Two games on the slate today in the National Football League, Dan 
And as we do on the I Want Your Flex podcast, we bring that live and living color here to Fox Sports Radio, trying to grab a couple of takeaways. And obviously for the early game, Dan, it's pretty hard given all of the principles that were missing. You got your your moments from Nick Chubb. He finished with 91 and a touchdown. So for fantasy purposes, you came away happy. Uh, Derek Carr, the touchdown, the interception, also a lost fumble. Uh, I would not have put any money on Zay Jones being his leading target uh, on the day. And Hunter Renfro, who's been a monster, uh, certainly in PPR leagues, but just in general, becoming such a huge part of that passing attack, only having five targets, finishing three for 32. Great job by the Cleveland secondary. Great job by the Cleveland secondary. But yeah, to your point, who was he really going to throw to? You know what my takeaway when I look at the the Raiders and when when you look at it from, and this comes from a fantasy football perspective of what is Josh Jacobs now? And looking at Josh Jacobs, and even in a Raiders victory that they had on Monday, Josh Jacobs, 50 carries, what, around you know 50 or so yards, has become more of a threat out of the backfield. However, the it's not like he's racking up huge numbers. And I always feel like that, like that's a name that you always say, all right, okay, if I could get Josh Jacobs. Josh Jacobs has had two 100-yard rushing games in the last two seasons combined. Both of those came last year. He had five in his rookie season, two in 2020, none so far in 2021. I think it's reflective on on what the Raiders have on their offensive line, the changes that they made, the changes they tried to make this offseason. But when I'm looking at the Raiders for like fantasy, you know, fantasy success with Waller Hurt, uh, really with no wide receiving options, I know guys ended up playing Hunter Renfro uh, this past little week. Foster Moreau getting into the yeah, action seven like, for sixty five. Th- there's just there's not a lot of value there, and the only name that jumps out is Josh Jacobs. The unfortunate part is his stats don't jump out. Three catches, forty two yards to go with his fifty two uh, rushing yards on fifteen attempts. And to your point, yeah, he's he's scored two touchdowns in his last seven games, and really you're hoping for the total yardage to get you over 44 receptions on the year, 17 of those coming in the last three weeks, and obviously skewed when he went nine for nine, 38 yards in that loss to Washington a couple of weeks ago. That helped you boost your per-game average. But, yeah, to your point, you know, from a fantasy perspective, I mean, you weren't playing Baker Mayfield even if he'd played. Right, no. even if he's available, you'd say, "All right, it's a home game against the Raiders." Like, no, you're still not trusting that there's going to be any giant uh, dividends to be paid out there. I mean, congratulations to the secondary uh, and a little bit of Nick Mullins making a play. Uh, he goes for 147 and a touchdown. Found uh, Harrison Bryant uh, for the score. You had a near miss with uh, Njoku uh, earlier in the in the game, but overall. It's really Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt when he's there, mm-hmm. right? And even Kareem Hunt would be flex-worthy uh, at best. Yeah. But we're looking at, you know, the these squads. Now the Raiders, 7-7, seven and seven, the Browns, 7-7, seven and seven, and neither team feels dangerous at all. No, not at all. Right, I, I mean, just that, limping to the yeah. end of a schedule. You're like, but, for Cleveland, a lot of hope coming into the year, right? I know if we go through our list. Probably some folks that had the Browns at least contending for yeah, an AFC title, right? Yeah. And here you've seen attrition, how much the Odell Beckham Jr. issue, and finally him getting uh, 
excised from the Browns, change things up, but certainly not the season based on the all 53s that we anticipated. And I, I don't know that I expected the Raiders to be any better than this, even with the hot start. It became a, all right, I'm going to play the wait and see game to see how this flows. I think the Browns can teach us a lesson, and they can teach the league a lesson. And it's not just the Browns. It's also the Indianapolis Colts for what they've done. I think that if you would you would you would pull people around the National Football League and ask who is the best offensive line in the NFL, there'd be votes for the Browns. I think there'd be people who would, you know, say, hey, the Colts have uh, one of the better offensive lines. Uh, Green Bay, even without their all-pro left tackle, David Bakhtiari, they put it together. When you look at teams that have good offensive lines, they also have got good running backs behind them. And, and the point that I'm, that I'm going to make is, we talk about MVP pyramid. Uh, we do it here. And Jonathan Taylor's been a guy that's been on my MVP pyramid for a while, just like Derrick Henry was. Mm-hmm. But when you invest in the offensive line and then take a talent like a Nick Chubb in the second round or a Jonathan Taylor in the second round, and you put those two combinations together, you can have success. Now, there may be other problems with the Browns, Mike, but when you see what the Colts are doing right now, they're really a, a pretty good football team led by Jonathan Taylor, but it's not just Jonathan Taylor. And as someone who is a Seahawks fan, and and I'll see the 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 fan sites and message boards say, yeah, if only the Seahawks would have taken Nick Chubb with uh, you know their first round pick instead of Rashad Penny. It's it's not the same deal. If if the Seahawks would invest in their offensive line and then bring in Nick Chubb maybe you would have a different story. Or if they invested in their offensive line and had Rashad Penny healthy in those scenarios, then it's a different story. But it's it's not single-handedly. And that's like even Nick Chubb on a bad night tonight when they didn't have any, anyone, still had 90 yards and a score. Right. You know, still, still got into the end zone. It still looks explosive. When he hits the hole, there are very – like the, the way that Dalvin Cook hits the hole, the way that, that Nick Chubb does, they look different. They're, they're different animals in the NFL. But when you combine the, the, that skill set with the offensive line, like you can really do damage. And I think that more teams need to, need to realize that. Yeah, draft the running back in the second round, but you're better, you better have an offensive line that is able to block for them. Maybe we start getting back to old-school football more regularly because it works. Yeah. Yeah, it does. Listen to this. Nick Chubb right now, as it stands, is fifth in the NFL in rushing. And he's played 10 games. The top five rushers, three of them have played less than 11 games. So you have Taylor one, Mixon two, Dalvin Cook, who's played 10 games third. Derrick Henry, who hasn't played in how many months, is still fourth on the NFL's rushing list uh, with 937 yards. And then you have Nick Chubb doing his thing at fifth. That's where we are. All the other Najee Harris, Antonio Gibson, Ezekiel Elliott, Leonard Fournette, all those guys, 14 games, 13 games behind those guys in the top five. So if you invest, you can have success like the Colts did, like the Browns have done with Nick Chubb. All right, let's move on to the other game, and we've talked a lot about it tonight, so you'll be able to find the podcast of all my rantings and ravings as the game went on. Yes, uh, the Chicago boy and me came out a little bit, and I was going to start getting into you guys' talk soon and uh, thereafter. But uh, an hour, about an hour from now, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, wherever you get your uh, audio, SoundCloud, etc., uh, you'll be able to pull that down, the iHeartRadio app, foxsportsradio.com. Uh, I'll go to this first to just kind of frame the Bears game real quick. 
uh, pool reporter to uh, Scott Novak, the official. Uh, what did Nagy say or do to warrant the unsportsmanlike conduct penalty against him? Quote, the flag was thrown when he started to use inappropriate language toward the official. Question, are there magic words you can't say? Novak, yes. Is it appropriate to ask you what those were? Novak, I won't repeat what he said, but it crosses a line and it's inappropriate. And that's when we throw a flag. Hmm. There you go. Is it is the warning given at any point? It's tough to warn because we don't know where the conversation is going. You, you could you could also say uh, what were the words, and he could have brought up like a George Carlin YouTube clip. Oh, that's true. That, that could Here, have, let me maybe, go to YouTube and tell you yeah, what, what we got. This is this is what you don't want to say. Yeah, the, absolutely amazing. Absolutely, just an incredible uh, convergence uh, of effects uh, over the course of the night. Now, the takeaway from this game, I mean, Dalvin Cook still playing with the uh, injured shoulder, 89 yards. They ran him a lot in the second half. Something Zimmer was uh, saying in his halftime comments, hey, we need to run the ball more, even though you had four guys who basically uh, were introduced almost like at a speed dating event in the Bears secondary. Uh, Kirk Cousins, 12 and 24, 87 yards, two touchdowns. I guess the fact that you got that second touchdown to Smith-Marset uh, made you breathe a little easier, but certainly you were licking your chops with the number of players injured slash on the COVID list for the Chicago defense. Uh, for Justin Jefferson, found the end zone, but on his 10 targets, just 47 yards, so not a big response for you there. Uh, Montgomery had 83 total yards, the big fumble inside the 10-yard line, so not only did you not get to cash in, you also lost a couple points there, and Justin Fields saves his fantasy day with his 35 rushing yards to offset the fumbles uh, that he had also absorbed a couple of sacks, but you're not exactly expecting fireworks from the bears offensively. No. Maybe you played Darnell Mooney on a wish and a prayer. Like I did uh, five catches, 63 yards. So an 11.3 in PPR, you'll take it as a third wide receiver, but certainly not the big hit you hope for. No, you've adjusted Jeff. Yeah. The, I mean, Kirk cousins, it was just, he was just rough. Yeah, yeah, just just rough. It just wasn't a good uh, all-around night. You you know, you mentioned uh, Cole Komet, six catches for 71 yards. Even, you know, on the other side, you're thinking, okay, well, Thielen's gone. Maybe Tyler Conklin can end up, you know, here at K.J. Osborne. And no, not when you throw for 87 yards that nobody's picking up any of the slack. You're even disappointed with Justin Jefferson's performance when you thought – you know what was going to happen to that secondary? Yeah, rough one, rough one in the windy city. Rough one in both, uh, both windy cities. Cleveland's windy too. But as we say, succeed and proceed. There, your takeaways: a little bit of fantasy nuggets, and well, for me, just another ability to get a little of the angst away. Because you know, it's also like ninety-seven degrees in the studio. I don't know who's in charge of the the thermostat here, Dan, but I think I've sweated <laughs> off a good seven pounds in here, like I'm training for a wrestling meet. Vision Quest. I put that gif up. You had the same problem last week as well. Yeah, yeah no. I come from a wrestling town. I know all about cutting weight. Yeah, came, and came in yesterday. Town. Yeah, came in yesterday. Same thing. It's like, what are we doing? It's like, trying to get me, lull me to sleep. You will not. Matt Nagy and, uh, also said he called all the offensive plays tonight. So take that uh, as you will moving into those final weeks with the Chicago Bears. Be sure to catch live editions of the Jason Smith Show with Mike Harmon weekdays at 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app.
whenever you're in, I hand you the stick mic and I just get the hell out of the way. The cleek lights yeah. are up and ready Screw for your Matt. time. Screw Screw Matt Nagy. We're getting the family together to play the feud. Yeah! Top nine answers on the board for the Fox family made up tonight of Mike Harmon, Ryan Bershinger, the Big A, Alex Tyshirt, and Ralph Irvin. Passes available. Three strikes and you are out. As I want to know, the nine NFL active teams that have appeared on Monday Night Football the fewest amount of times. I think we've done this with the most amount of times on Monday Night Football, but never the fewest amount of times. <laughs> so there are certain angles to look at when you think about the history of Monday Night Football. Mike Harmon, we start with you. Well, I'll just start with the team we were talking about a little bit ago. Uh They've got their new quarterback. Maybe he'll get them on there, but the Jacksonville Jaguars. You'd have to think they're one of the newer teams in the NFL. Show me the Jaguars. Number one answer, only 15 times appearing on Monday Night Football. Over to our executive producer, Ryan Bershinger. Let's go with the Houston Texans. Oh, the Houston Texans, a team that we uh, we love to uh, to talk about, whether it be good or bad. All right. Is it the Houston Texans? Did not make our list. Did not make our list. Although, I actually think that there may have been a typo in all of this. So, we will revisit this at the end. I will let you know, Ryan uh, Ryan Bershinger. Not Ryan Music, Ryan Bershinger. Attack music there. I love it. (laughs) I did. Well, I I thought that the Texans would be a great answer. And now I'm realizing that my source may have been wrong. You know what, Alex? Big A, let's give him a correct answer on that one. We'll give you a correct answer because uh, I'm not going to blame any sites, Stat Muse, but I think that they (laughs) may have left the Houston Texans off their list. Might have gotten a lot of run during the Matt Schaub era that we don't remember. (laughs) That's true. That's true. Let's go over to the Big A, Alex Dysert. Dan, I'm going to go over to Florida and say Tampa Bay Bucks. Oh, we know they're good now, but they weren't good for a long time. Show me the Buccaneers. Yeah, also came into the yeah. Also came into the league in 1976, so there were some teams that had a head start on them. Over to the news desk and Ralph Irvin. Well, you did Jacksonville, so why not Carolina? Yeah, why not Carolina? Show me the Panthers. There you go. 17 appearances, second fewest to the Jacksonville Jaguars. And honestly, who knows how many of the Houston Texans have had because they didn't make this <laughs> list. Back around to Mike Harmon. Perfect game so far. We're going to count it four for four. Back around to you, Harmon. All right. Lions always get Thanksgiving, but they don't get Monday night. Uh, the Lions are a historic team, though. They've been around the league. Show me the Lions. You're darn right they're on our list. They're actually 43 appearances, uh, number nine on our list. Ooh, I barely made it. Yeah, or probably number 10. Thanks a lot, Stat Muse. Oh, Let's go over to Ryan Bershinger. <laughs> uh, how about the Chargers? The Chargers. Well. Interesting. Uh, maybe the uh, lightning bolt did not strike on Monday night. Is it the Chargers? Uh, this one I know for sure. Dang. 48 times they appeared. Yeah, kind of middle of the pack when it comes to the NFL. Over to the big A. Dan, I'm going two for two. Give me Washington. Oh, Washington. All right. Is it Washington? I want to change my answer. (laughs) (laughs) Not only did he not go two for two, Washington's like top five appearances. They They were always on in the 80s and 90s. Really? Yes. I wasn't alive. Yes, they were. Come on. Yes. (laughs) Oh, let's go over to the news desk and Ralph Irvin. Two strikes quickly on the board. Well, we've said uh, the three most recent expansion teams – but there's also a new organization that would be the Baltimore Ravens. Ah, show me the Ravens. 
There they are, yes. 28 appearances. That's fourth fewest in the history of the National Football League. Back around to Mike Harmon looking for four other answers as we've taken uh, six off the board. Final four, Mike. Pass is still available. I don't think Dave Craig was featured uh, in his latter years with the Cardinals. Ooh. And Kurt Warner's got a movie, but, you know, I don't know. I don't remember him being on Monday night a lot. Show me the Cardinals. Yes, there they are. 40 appearances on that list. How dare you talk about Seahawks quarterback Dave Craig like that? (laughs) Over to Ryan Bershinger. Oh, man. I want to save the pass for Ty shirt, but (laughs) we're at two strikes. So, you know what? I'm going to give an answer. I'll save it for Ty shirt. Let's. Let's try the Tennessee Titans. Oh, well, the Tennessee Titans. Now, they would also include the Houston Oilers oh. because they came over. Do you want to change your pick because of that? Uh, you Rumbling know what? Yes, Earl I, Campbell. I, I, will, I will go ahead and change it. How about, uh, how about the Bengals then? Oh, the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, let's see. Did the Cincinnati Bengals make this list? Is it the Cincinnati Bengals? You know what? I think StatMuse messed up again because they didn't appear the Cincinnati Bengals on this list. You know what? This was probably the worst feud that we've ever had all because of me. (laughs) I I didn't double check this list. They didn't have the Bengals or the Texans on there. Were you guys going to guess any other teams? Well, maybe I'm just smarter than StatMuse. Yeah, I I think that could be be the case. Um, Wikipedia couldn't give me a stupid list. (laughs) The, uh, The Seahawks, Browns, and Falcons were also on this list ah uh, incomplete <laughs> this is what happens this i want my wrong answer back Dan. but see dave craig didn't get to uh monday night as a member of the seahawks my, I, I was about to bring up dave craig yeah my my worst memory of uh of monday night football is is because of monday night football and bo jackson yeah uh, that'll live forever it's the worst we got the family Sorry, together guys. and now we're bickering Be sure to catch live editions of the Jason Smith Show with Mike Harmon weekdays at 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at, at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see what music does to people it gives me a lot of hope if you liked locatora before you're gonna love season nine subscribe to our show and you'll see why locatora is your prima's favorite podcast listen to locatora radio as part of the michael Tura podcast network available on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts 
I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Do you love Selena? Like, really love? Whether you saw her live, saw the movie as a kid, or saw her looks all over TikTok, there's no shortage of reasons to stand the Queen of Tejano. And Stan, we do over three whole episodes of our podcast, Becoming an Icon. We're reminiscing as lifelong Selena fans, sharing hot takes and telling her story. Listen to Becoming an Icon on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search Becoming an Icon. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.